morning. Uh, can you all hear me okay? Um, yes, as uh, Chris and Nick said, I'm Dave, I'm the giving coordinator at the moment, and we're finishing off a series that we've been doing over the past few weeks to do uh, with, or oh, it's called Being Designed to Prosper, Leaving a Poverty Mindset Behind. And we've seen over the last three weeks or so that God doesn't want us broke. He doesn't want us as people who follow him to be without resource. And whether we find ourselves there or not today, our, his heart is for us to be able to have resource and to be able to use that to further his kingdom. And we have a te- the reason that we're talking about this at the moment is that we have a tendency within Christian culture to, to possibly go to one of two extremes. Either we go to the extreme of, as Jesus followers, we have all the resources, therefore if we say it, we will get, become millionaires and we will have everything that we want. And then some of us live in the reality that that doesn't happen, so what, what's that about? And then we go to the other end of, well, it says in the Bible that the love of money is the root of all evil, so surely we need to stay away from money as much as possible. We can't do, have anything to do with money. And then we have a problem when we don't have money to feed ourselves or our kids, and we then go, well, what's that about? And what we've been looking at is in, in this series is that God wants us to have resource, and it's what we do with that resource that matters. And as we heard today, we have access to a, cer- a certain power in terms of being able to get resource. Okay, When we pray, we are praying to the God of all resource. And what he wants is for us to really journey in relationship with him in terms of what that looks like for us. And so whether you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, he's talking about resources and money, and so I have none, or I'm, I'm less than none, or whether you're sitting there going, oh, well, this is an interesting one, because I've got loads and I'm not quite sure what to do with it, or I'm not sure, quite sure what, what Jesus is asking of me, I hope that by the end of today, wherever you are in that spectrum, you will have a sense of where, what Jesus is, is either asking of us or what he's wanting for us. Because ultimately, this shouldn't be a series to feel guilty about. This shouldn't be a series where we go away going, I've messed up again, I'm not doing it right. But actually, this should be a series where we are filled with hope and filled with a certain sense of, actually, God is wanting the best for us. And yeah, and we all have a part to play in that. I'm going to be talking a little bit this morning about God's kingdom and, 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 and what that looks like. For those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about there, it's, it's a phrase that Jesus used when he was here on earth to do with the way that basically God works in our lives and in other people's lives when we're following him. Sometimes it's called in vineyard circles his rule and his reign. But essentially, when we're following Jesus, things look a little bit different because when we pray, we expect some answers right? Because otherwise there's no point in praying. When we ask God for things, we are going, God, we really want that, uh, that person to be healed. We really want that person to be resourced. We are tapping into the power that, of God, of the universe. And we're saying, God, we really want these things. And God is saying, yep, that's really good. Yep. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I love your attitude there. I, I really want to resource that. And we, we live in this tension that where by it doesn't quite happen all the time. But that doesn't mean that we don't keep going back to God and going, okay, what is this about? I don't know why I didn't see it, but I'm going to pray again because I know that you are faithful. And as Jesus follows, we always live in that tension and we live in that tension when it comes to money and uh, resource as well. Last week, Chris spoke to us about the importance of giving and generosity and 
what we do, that, the fact that what we do with our money matters. It's not just the fact that it's money for kind of feeding our kids or being able to go out, having transport and things like that. Actually, there is a spiritual sense to our money whereby money tells us a lot about ourselves. Chris mentioned last week about the fact that if he could see into our bank accounts and see what we're spending, actually it says a lot about us. And there is a sense by which this whole series isn't really about money. It's about what our heart is like and what actually our core being is, is responding to. Because money tells us a lot about ourselves. It also tells us a lot about God's kingdom as well. It tells us a lot about how we view God. Do we view God as a miserly old man who's not going to give us an inch to us? And so when we pray, we're kind of fervently doing that, hoping beyond all hope that we've done everything right and he's going to give us a penny. Or are we seeing him as a generous dad who just wants the best for us, who loves us beyond all measure, who's given his, his whole entire being through his son Jesus for us in order that we might have relationship with him? And so how we use money, how we see the future even in terms of where we put our money for the future matters. And so today we're going to be looking at this idea of investing and how investing affects the future and what it says about us and how as Jesus followers we need to, uh, we need to just grapple with this a little bit. So as we go along, hopefully we'll have some, a few ideas and um, we'll, we'll get somewhere with it. So okay, let's take the next slide. No, 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 I'm not going to fire all you, don't worry, it's, it's um, not that, although, yeah, he looks quite mean there, doesn't he? So, this is Lord Sugar, who watches The Apprentice in here? Anybody admit to it? Oh, there's a few people, I do, I do a little bit. Yeah, 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 The Apprentice, I think it's like its 14th series now, or something ridiculous like that. Well, I mean, this guy, if, any, if you walk down the street and, street and talk to most people, they would know who this guy is if you showed them a picture. And they would know that Lord Sugar is very good at making money. He's very good at investing. He started off in 1968 on a market stall selling things from wholesalers and gradually he made some money from that. And then he used that money to buy a bigger stall and then a warehouse and then he had his own company and then he managed to sell other products and got into electronics because he thought, well, that looks as if it's going somewhere. And then he made more. And gradually we get to like 2016 where we got the figure for him and he's got 1.15 billion pounds. I mean, that's some investing, right? I mean, this guy knows how to invest. And so when we talk about investing, you may think of someone like this. And that's not a wrong thing. In fact, if, if, imagine what it'd be like if we had people in the church who could invest like him and, and have like 1.15 billion pounds to invest into the lives of people within Ashford. I mean, that would be amazing, right? That would just be like awesome where we could kind of almost eliminate poverty with one swipe, that kind of thing. And yet, as we know, it's not quite as simple as that necessarily. But as we look, actually investing and the way that we invest is important. Sir Alan demonstrates well the principle of investing. He chooses, right back in 1968, he chose not to just use the resource from his market stall. He chose to invest it into something that will bring a return in the future. So that's the, that's the real nub of investing, where actually this, it's something whereby we stop, stop ourselves from using a certain resource 
And when I talk about resource, I am talking about money, especially, but other resources as well, time, talents, energies, things like that. Well, we don't use it now for something, but we invest it into something that will bear a return in the future. We're looking at this in AV today because actually this is something that we don't particularly talk about as church, particularly. It is an off-limits subject. It's quite difficult. As we'll discover in a minute, the Bible is very hard to grapple when it comes to money. As I said, there's like two spectrums that we can often go to because it seems easier to go to one of those and go, no, I believe in that, rather than going down the middle and going, actually, both can be true a little bit at the same time, and it's a bit messy. What we're looking at is a heart issue, and so the Bible talks about heart issues a lot, and therefore it talks about money a lot. Jesus spoke about money all the time. He spoke about it in a lot of his parables. He also spoke specifically about investing, as we'll discover in a little bit. So this is a Jesus thing. This is something that we have to grapple with as Jesus followers, that investing is something that the Bible talks about and Jesus talks about. So that's why we're looking at it today. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of Bible passages today. They will come up on the screen here. We're going to look at a couple of characters as well from the Bible. Some of them you may know, some might, we might not. So uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it or it will come up on the screen. So the first po- uh, one that we're going to look at is a guy called Abraham who had his name changed. So you'll see on there that it's spelled Abraham. That's not me making a spelling mistake. That's just what his name was before it was changed later on in the story. So if I say Abraham, I'm I'm talking about the same guy. Um, He was one of the first guys um, that we find, one of the first characters in the uh, Old Testament. If you start at Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the Bible, and then get to about chapter 12, we meet Abraham. So he's really early on character. And we see him first in his hometown of Ur. Okay, that's, I don't know about the name, but that's fairly normal. We all have hometowns. But then we find the following in chapter 12, and this is what God says. He says to Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left just as God said, and Lot, his nephew, left with him. So, I mean, that's kind of a fairly ordinary story in terms of someone hears something they think from God and they go, okay, I'll I'll move over there. I mean, if you look at any kind of Disney film, it kind of does this kind of thing. A character has, uh, has some kind of thought or idea, or they have, uh, they have some, um, some, something whereby they're compelled to journey somewhere, and they, they go through whatever it needs to take to get there, and they learn loads about themselves and each other along the way. I mean, that is, that is what we find with Disney. And yeah, it's a common story. And yet, if we looked at Abraham's time, this was not a common story. It was not normal behavior for anyone to leave their hometown. Because hometown meant a few things. It meant safety. It meant that Abraham was safe because he, had, he, he knew the land. He could make resource out of the land enough to feed him and his family. He also had his family, his tribe there, who could keep them safe. Because it's not like they had a ministry of defense in those days that, with tanks and whatnot. In those days, it was 
just themselves. And so because of that, in order to keep safe, they stayed where they were. So life for them was you get born, you, you grow up, you learn a trade off your parents, you then use that trade to uh, survive as best as possible in order so you could have children, and then you teach them the trade, you die, and then it all starts again. That was normality. And Abraham decided that normality wasn't good enough because he had heard from God. And God not only said to him, I will bless you, which is normal, Okay, most people in, in that time, if we want to hear from God, uh, either God is saying, I'm going to smite you, or God is saying, I'm going to bless you. And actually, we want that second one. And most people in those days, that's what they would hear. I want to bless you. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm doing all the right things. You can bless me. But it wasn't just that. God was saying to him, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. And for me, it looks like Abraham's going... Yes, I like that. I'm actually going to um, go out of my safe zone, my comfort zone, if you were. Um, I'm going to leave my tribe. I'm going to uh, leave the safety of farming in an area that I know. And I'm going to travel hundreds of miles to a place that I don't know, whose people I don't know, who probably don't like me because I'm coming in and invading their land. I'm using land that should be theirs. Because I believe that God has told me, that the deity of the universe has told me, that I'm going to prosper there, but not only that, that I'm going to prosper other people as well, that they are going to be blessed through me being there. And that is the difference that we have when we're talking about investing as Jesus followers, that our investing isn't just about ourselves. Our investing has impact on other people. It has impact that goes way beyond ourselves. So I'm going to just tweak the definition of investing from earlier just for something to help us to navigate along the rest of um, this talk. So my definition is, I'm willing to forego what I feel to be certain today to be able to sow into a hope-filled but undefined future. So investing is actually stopping at using resources today, but taking those resources and sowing them into a future which, although undefined, has hope. Abraham had hope. When he went to this other land, he didn't know what it looked like. He didn't know whether even uh, what the people were like. He didn't even probably know what the land was like. But he had hope. And hope has huge amounts of power because it says, I believe the future is good. I believe that God with me I believe that good things are going to happen. I believe that he's going to protect me. I believe that when I step out, actually he's going to step out with me. And that is so important. Because it means that we're not investing into something that, may, that is, I don't know, something that will just disappear. But we're investing into something that has hope in it. That we believe there will be a return on it. That actually this is something that we believe that is going to prosper us and prosper people around us. And that is so important. It's filled with hope. Yesterday I was at a wedding. And weddings always remind me of the story of Jesus at Cana, the first miracle that we see happen. We heard about it a couple of talks ago. And when we see Jesus doing things and doing miracles we see a sense of what he sees in terms of resource and investing. Because for him, resource and investing 
wasn't just doing something small and hoping against all hope that something might happen. He was all in. I mean, that first one there, he wasn't, we weren't, we're not talking about bottles kind of that big. We're talking about huge, great big canisters that he said, go and fill them with water and then give them to the master of ceremonies. And when they're, they're getting these big canisters like that big, 12 of them, I think there were, something like that, plonking them down, getting the, white, uh, the water out, or uh, water that had turned into wine, and the master of ceremonies going, that's amazing. I mean, that's going to be some, quite some party from there on in, when you've got these huge canisters. I mean, Jesus wasn't even just making bottles. He was just overly abundant. And when we're talking about this subject, we've got to realize that we are, we are following someone whereby resource for him was never a short thing. It was never something he was without. He lived simply, but he, he understood that in order to invest in something, you've got to have something to invest. And so for him, resource was something that he believed his father for, and it's, some, and it's um, something that we have access to as Jesus followers. And that is really crucial because otherwise we can go, oh, I, I haven't got much. And that may be true. But actually what we have, Jesus can multiply in amazing ways. I've seen it so many times where something small has been sown in. I've seen it in my own life. When I was a student in Nottingham um, in the late 1990s, um, I was part of this church that had just been planted there. And yeah, it was growing, but we needed resource to build um, a, a building because we were just growing out of this um, conference room that we were meeting in every Sunday. And I was a student, and I had this piddly little student loan. And I was like, okay, I, I, th- my, my contribution isn't going to make any difference to this. But I know that God is asking me to sow in with all these other people to do the same thing. And so I pledged, I think it was five pounds a month. I think I, think I managed to scrape together five pounds. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a fiver. And I did that for, I think, probably about a year while I was there. And in the end, I never actually got to see that building or be in that building as part of it. But I visit there every single year now as part of the National Leaders Conference. And I remember as a student sewing in just my five pound into this multi-million pound building now and knowing that I played a part in that because God multiplied it. He multiplied it through other people, through other uh, uh, generosity, um, through all sorts of different ways. And all I had to do was just be faithful in that. And this is what happens. God takes what we have and he multiplies it. He loves to do that because, again, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. So important that we get this, that when we're thinking about investing into the future, it's not about how much we give, but it's what we're giving into. Because that says so much about ourselves. But let's talk about a couple of things that um, Jesus uh, spoke about. Because I always think this useful when we're talking about any, anything to do with a principle in the Bible. If we look at Jesus, we can't go far wrong. He, he said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we want to know what God looks like, if we know, want to know how God acts, what his heart is towards us, if we look at Jesus, we can't go far wrong. And Jesus, as I've said before, was big on this how we use our resources issue. So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, he says this, Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen, 
and will never rust or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. See, Jesus knew that when we start hoarding things, and, and those words are specific, it's not about saving, like we heard last week, because saving has a, uh, has a future to it. If we're saving for something, we're not just uh, saving just to get a pile of money. When, we, when we're hoarding and stockpiling, trying to, trying to keep everything here, it's amazing how often that actually just gets frittered away. And what Jesus is saying here is, invest. That's what he's meaning here. He's like, invest. He's not just talking about money, but he is talking about money. He's saying, invest into something that is greater than just stockpiling, because actually treasures in heaven last so much longer and go so much more beyond your lifetime than trying to just stockpile something just in case something happens. Let's look at another thing that Jesus um, spoke about. Jesus often spoke in parables, which are little stories which have allegories to them. So they are saying, talking about something else. And when Jesus was um, talking in parables, he was often speaking about this kingdom that I spoke about earlier, this, this way of things working when, when you follow what Jesus says and when you're a follower of him. And although he talks about um, the kingdom in this way, often he uses the idea of investment. And we see in this one... Uh, him talking about seed, because in those days, farmers were everywhere. A lot of people did farming. They got the idea of sowing seed. And it says here, consider this. There was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto the ground that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds, So when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. And then further on, he he explains this. He says, the seed that fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. The seed sown on the gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. The seed sowed among the weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and preventing him from bearing spiritual fruit. As for the seed that fell upon good rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as was sown. See, when Jesus was speaking... He was often speaking about the idea of investment, whether that was investment into the kingdom or uh, what the kingdom looks like in terms of the way we use money. But he was always speaking about, actually, what are we using that will benefit the future? What are we using that gives us hope for the future? See, this farmer here, he could have easily kept the seed for himself. He could have easily hoarded it like Jesus was talking about earlier. Or he could have easily just used it to feed his family 
or to, to possibly sell to get something else in order to resource. But he didn't. What he did was he scattered it. He used that seed, instead of using it for now, he used it for later, knowing that there is a good chance that some of it will sprout and some more of it will sprout so well that he will get an amazing harvest. But in order to do that, he had to take the chance, if you were, of actually investing it, of sowing it, of actually going, no, I'm just going to sow it and I'm going to see what happens with this. Now, that parable is bigger than that because it's talking about the way we sow into people's lives for the gospel. Okay, the good news of, of who Jesus is and what he has done. But the principle is the same. That in order to look for a return, we have to invest. Whether that is money into something, or whether that is our time and energy into other things. Let me give you an example. So when we're investing money into something, it could be that we're investing money into someone. There are many people in here that um, are have Compassion UK children over in Africa. We saw that Nick went over there to see them previously. And that is investing money into someone. And we don't know what their future is, but we know, we have that hope that because of what we are investing into, we're going to see a return through that young person growing up and being able to have, uh, have a job, have a family, not living in poverty, but actually uh, living in a way that, where they can prosper and they can prosper other people as well. Now, we don't know that that is going to happen, just as we don't know that that will happen when we have children of our own. We don't know what that will happen whenever we do any sort of investment. But we have that hope, because we see what happens with other children. And that's, again, what we come back to when we look at this idea of investment. We've got to take that chance of sowing. Whether that's sowing in a monetary way, or sowing in another way. There was a king called Solomon who also spoke about earthly things. He wrote the book of Proverbs. Have you ever heard of Proverbs? It's a book that has wise saying in them. And one of his sayings was, it's far better to be right and poor than to be rich and wrong, or to be wrong and rich. I mean, that's, okay, that's like, yeah, well, yeah, duh, okay. But actually, he was saying an important point there. What we invest into is important. Um, the Church of England have come a cropper on this just recently, where on one hand, Justin Welby was speaking about Amazon and, and, and how the conditions with, uh, within the company weren't quite as, as good as, as he was thinking. They need to be paid better. And then the day later, they found that the money that the C of E uses as was invested into Amazon. And so you can see there that there can be a discrepancy sometimes, that what we say and what we put our money in can be two different things. And possibly that, that may provoke some of us in terms of, well, actually, where are we saving our money? Where are we putting our money? What are the things that is growing our money if we have investments and things along those lines? And it is an important point. It's better to be right and poor than to be wrong and rich. Now, hear me right. It doesn't mean that we can't be wealthy. It can't, doesn't mean that we can't have material resource. But that same um, is true. It's better to be right than poor than to be wrong and rich. So that's in Proverbs. I always think of Proverbs as being like kind of earthly wisdom. And then you get to Ecclesiastes, which is like Solomon having a really bad day and just writing about wisdom in a completely different way. Everything is meaningless, he starts off in Ecclesiastes. And I always think, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, okay, you wrote Proverbs, and then you... Uh, 
you had that kind of day, okay. But there's good wisdom in there as well. And actually, for me, that really sums up some of the wisdom we find in the Bible, that if you stray too far one way or the other, quite often you'll miss actually the tensions that go in the middle of it. And he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 2, divide your portion to seven or even eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Wow, he really was having a bad day. Okay, but there is wisdom there. When, for those of you who might have um, investments, you know that often uh, with a a monetary investment, it's better to spread your risk over um, a number of uh, different investments. In AV, we don't just invest into one thing, we invest into loads of different things because we know that by doing that, different people can be blessed through that. We don't just have one um, thing that we go, yes, you can do that. We have things like toddles, open arms, bumps to bays, we have Sundays, Um, we have all sorts of different things going on within the week that we are investing into. And that that is a really good thing to do. And for me, I, I think that it's probably a good thing to teach our children because we're coming into an age where a job for life just isn't there anymore. Our children are going to be, have to be really flexible with the way that they work and the, what they um, educate themselves with because the, jobs just aren't, the job for life just isn't there now. They have to make, uh, be flexible. They have to be able to, um, be able to see something and go, OK, I'm going to invest into that in a little while or I'm going to be able to do that and be able to get like, various different arrows within their quiver, as it were, so that they can, they can prosper because it's putting... All your eggs in one basket, there's another saying, uh, probably isn't going to help many of our young people as they go into an uncertain future. Okay, the employment market is unfortunately changing. So there is, some tr- there is definitely some truth in that as well. And I'll just repeat what I said earlier. It isn't about getting resource to hoard. God is often giving us giftings and tools and education at our disposal to generate resource. But the problem isn't us generating resource or getting wealth. It's when that becomes our sole motivation in life. That's the thing. So it's about how we use our resource, not how much. It's about what we put it into. Last thing before we finish. One of the things that we do need to also grapple with is the fact that our resource, our investment, may not develop a return within our own lifetime. There are things that we, are, uh, that we can invest into that will have a return, but it will be a return after our lifetime. And we call that a legacy. And part of investing is actually investing into legacy. When we're investing into this place, we're investing into legacy. Because we're not just investing for now, for what we're going to see in the coming days, months, and years. We're hoping that this place goes on and on and on, growing and blessing people, and the whole of Ashford will be blessed through us. And it may take some time to do that. It may take more than our lifetimes to do that, but that's okay. And so legacy is really, really important. These two people, does anybody know who these people are? Yeah? Okay, these people won the Nobel Prize for Peace this last week. Now, the Nobel Prize for Peace was set up by a guy whose obituary, or accidental obituary, read, uh, the master of death is dead. Okay? Because in his lifetime, he invented so many destructive things and became really wealthy through that. He was the guy who invented dynamite. 
he, he invented these things and he got to see a taste because the obituary was published about his brother rather than about him. So he got to see what people thought about him. And it disturbed him so much that he set up this fund that we now know today uh, affects millions of people because it highlights some of the things that are going on within the world. It gives money to people who are bringing peace, who are affecting sciences, who are bringing things into art, who are, uh, who are doing the opposite of what he found in his lifetime. He left a legacy that went beyond his own lifetime and is blessing the world today. And that, for me, is something that we should be doing as Jesus followers. There should be a legacy from the resources that we use, that when we go, there should be a gap left behind in the resources that we have invested into, that people will be blessed far beyond our lifetime because we have invested wisely, whether that is money or whether that is other resources. So what is God asking you to invest in? It may be that you feel like monetary investment isn't something you can do at the moment because you feel absolutely broke. If that is the case, then we would love to pray for you because God doesn't want us broke. And we believe that if there's ways that we can help you to find ways of getting out of that, then we would love to be able to do that. If you have, if this may be the first time you've heard about investing within a church context, or invest, it might be the first um, time that you've thought about investing. If that is the case, again, we'd love to pray with you afterwards, um, or just maybe think about it during this week. Think, actually, what is it that God is wanting for me to invest into? Because we all have resources that we can invest. And God is asking us to do that, to forego what we can have today, the certainty of today, in order to be um, able to invest into a hopeful future, however undefined it may be. And we get that chance now. And um, I just encourage you just to think about this question during the week. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you're a God who wants the best for us. And you have placed us uh, here and you've given us resource in order to be able to bless others. That is what your heart is. You want us to be uh, blessed, to be a blessing. And I pray that today you will help us to ponder this question of what is it that you want us to invest into, whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's resource. Who is it that you want us to bless through the way that we use our money and the way that we forgo money now in order to see a blessing in the future. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Ashford Vineyard are delighted to partner with Christians Against Poverty who provide free, first-class debt support in Ashford. If you are struggling with debt of any kind, please call 0800-328-0006 to make an appointment to see a local Christians Against Poverty debt coach to start your journey to becoming debt-free. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.